Welcome to Inside Stories. I'm Tequila. And I'm Jen. And here at Inside Stories, we explore Madison one story at a time. And this week, we have Noelle Mariano with us. Hello. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for coming. So what we're going to do is we're just going to listen to a story you told, and then we're going to talk about it. All right. Awesome. So I celebrated my first birthday with the moth, with over a million people. But thing is, with my birthday, being a Christmas baby sucks. It's even worse when you're an after Christmas baby. So every year, because my family's cheap, my husband's cheap, everyone in my family is cheap, and they would give me one present and say, it's for your birthday and Christmas. So I started buying gifts for myself. 28th birthday. I'm celebrating my, my birthday with my family. I bring up how I'm afraid of the person who is in office and how I feel like my life is in danger. I'm told by my father to man up. My gift to myself was silence. 15th birthday. I kissed a boy. And I liked it. And this is before that terrible song came out on the radio, so I'm able to enjoy and relish in that feeling. <laughs> I'm, sitting at Chuck, uh, I'm sitting at Shakey's Pizza with my friends and my family, my D&D group, and I don't say anything. My gift to myself was shame. Seventh birthday, I'm found playing with my sister's Barbies. My uncles beat me, tell me that they're not suitable, that these aren't boys' toys. I say, but I'm not a boy. I still taste the copper sting across my mouth. I don't tell anyone until I'm in therapy 20 years later. My gift to myself was denial. Last year, my half birthday, because if you're gonna celebrate a birthday, might as well be in the middle of June when people are celebrating, uh, celebrating Pride Month, celebrating community, celebrating themselves. I just get off the phone with my doctor and I'm in tears and the moth account on Instagram posts a prompt asking, when was the first time you lived unapologetically? And on a whim, I post. I write, I just got off with the phone with my doctor and I'm still crying because I get to start hormone replacement therapy next week. I ignore it because it was just a comment to make myself feel better. Then on my half birthday, the moth picks it and selects it to share with their Facebook account, their Instagram account, and Twitter account. And I'm getting messages from strangers all around the world congratulating me, 
for starting my journey to be my authentic self. My gift, my gift to myself last year and every day, the gift I give to myself is pure, unabashed, unapologetic joy that I get to be who I am and that all the years of me hiding the shame, the despair, the guilt, that kid gets to celebrate, gets to have a birthday party. I still, I still remember all the gifts I give myself, but, remember, but I remember that in one moment, I got to celebrate my first birthday as myself with tons of strangers telling me, I don't have to be silent. I don't have to be ashamed. Thank you and happy Pride Month. Thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. I loved it. I, you know, I heard it when you told it last month um, and, and I was remembering now listening to this time, I loved your backwards chronology birthdays. <laughs> that was, you know, just, I mean, I know you know a lot about storytelling because we'll probably get into this later, but, you know, you've co-produced some off with me. You hear a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. But just like as a, like a, a device to kind of take us through that, I just, I just thought that was great. And I was just curious, like, what, you're, you know, what you were thinking when you decided to frame it that way. Because originally I, I don't like to take myself super seriously. Like I was going to actually like chime in, um, you know, when thinking about my identity, thinking about, uh, thinking about approach, like what were the milestones, what were the parts and just going forward, it just felt really heavy and dreadful. But then when I was going backwards, thinking about how each incident builds on each other and, you know, I decided at the last minute while I was up there, um, I was going to talk about how, you know, I'm uh, like, I have my first stable job. I am able to uh, treat myself. So I bought, I, I remember that one of, uh, one of the birthdays I got myself was my very first like eyeliner set and an Xbox. <laughs> and then I would have, you know, played up one of the Xbox. But um, just thinking about how going back, it, uh, even though it felt less heavy, you could feel it, it still felt like I'm still building because, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, you know, going to therapy, talking and talking about uh, some of the past trauma, especially with my gender identity. It all unravels. And I think going backwards, it's better to start where you're at now and then go back and start looking at the roots, then like find where the roots are and then build when you don't know what direction you're building. Right. I like that a lot because it definitely did feel a lot lighter. And then it took me a second to realize that you were going backwards. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then, you know, I think when you got to that childhood memory where most of us could remember, you know, being that age and then that incident happened to you, that was like, pal. And then you moved us forward. So I've listened and heard a bunch of good devices. So I could tell you know what you're doing. (laughs) Thank you. Well, yeah, it's sort of interesting to think about too, like, you know, like where do you want to drop the needle in a story or like what about yourself do you want to show? Because like in some ways, like the way you told the story, it would be hard to be funny in it, you know, because that wasn't necessarily the story you were telling. But I think what I like that you did at the beginning is, you know, you're about to get into the story that's many of us listening don't have this experience at all. But you sort of start with this, um, 
yeah, my birthday and Christmas around the same time, like what a pain in the ass. I only get one gift, you know? And so I feel like that was this thing that like people could connect with and you could hear the audience kind of laughing and just like, yeah, that, that would suck or whatever. You know what I mean? And so then we're sort of connected with you in that way. And then we're ready to go with you, you know, where you're taking us. One of the things I really appreciated that you did um, was I love imagery and I love, well, obviously circling back. So you you pulled all those gifts together at, at the end. I appreciate that. But like the detail that you use and the imagery, can you tell us a little bit about the ones you specifically chose? Because they all kind of were in service of what you were saying and they were visceral enough, but like funny enough that you could kind of work your comedy in there. Um, so especially with thinking about like those key moments, um, you know, because when I think about birthdays, it's always celebration. It's always um, moments of joy, like not just birthdays, but anniversaries um, coming out. But framing it and thinking about birthdays, especially that as a theme, I've always found birthdays to be so terribly like isolating. Um, like, you know, for the longest time, my email was forget December 27 because... I would tell people the best gift you could ever give me is to forget that my birthday happened because it's just a regular day. And I was thinking about, especially, you know, with, um, with coming out as trans, uh, trans and my, uh, my experience um, with coming and feeling more comfortable in my skin, I was trying to think because, you know, I was thinking about the prompt of birthdays. What were some great birthdays I had? What were some, some terrible birthdays I had? And all those moments I realized were, I was thinking about, those were my worst birthdays because I felt so alone, but I was around people. Mm-hmm. So then I was just like, because I wasn't myself, I wasn't even like present with myself. So that's how I wove them, uh, that's how I wove them together. Like, um, you know, uh, if, I, if I think about like other birthdays that uh, would have woven in, it's kind of like, for me, it doesn't seem to have that same uh, impact because, um, you know, uh, the, f- the first birthday where I where I came out as a queer person and my family, they were like, all right, we we get this. We still love you, but we're, we don't approve. While incredibly isolating, it also it also still felt very, uh, very much like when when I talk about um, you know the presidency and like my most recent birthday before I came out, there's still that level. There's still that level of denial that this isn't real, and then afterwards it becomes real. So that's why thinking about it and going backwards and thinking about those specific dates, that's what that's what really drew me to them. What were the what were the moments where I felt no, this is real to me. These are the moments where I feel like this is who I am. Even in the moments of acceptance, it still feels a little hazy to me. Like, um, I actually pulled up the um, because I screenshotted the uh, the uh, the moth sharing my um, that one little blurb and sharing it. Um, and for the longest time, I kept it as a wallpaper for my phone because it still didn't feel real to me that I was doing this, that people were supporting me. So that's that tricky space that I was navigating with the details. What were the moments that felt visceral to me versus what moments where I, where I was just like, just trying to motivate myself? Well, and I think the juxtaposition, at least how I, you know, experienced it and how you told the story is like, you know, so you have, you have people who are close to you who are like, yeah, that, 
we're not, I'm not interested in knowing who you are, really. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these strangers who are super excited for you, right? So that was just kind of, I imagine, sort of hard to process <laughs> in your mind. Yeah. Uh, and also, just with myself, like, I really try to not take myself super seriously. Like, um, I knew that I wanted to close out the story by, again, bringing community because we are one big community. And when you celebrate, you're, you're with your family, chosen or, um, chosen or biological. Um, I still thought that, like, maybe I should tie it back and think about, like, you know, the presence that... I get from the, my fam of my family uh, and my loved ones today, like um, my uh, my sister, because um, she knows she knows that like uh, she knows that I've bemoaned women's dress sizes. Like um, there's that meme saying she's a ten, but uh, so like she sent me one of like she's a ten at H and M, she's a six at, yeah. at <laughs> so, and I was and I I got to experience that. So my sister. Like sent me a, a bunch of her old, uh, her old jeans uh, before um, before she had uh, had my youngest niece. I'm just like, these are about your size. Tried them on, none of them fit. <laughs> and even then, gifts sometimes sometimes the gifts uh, the gifts that you get mean well, shape you, but sometimes the best gifts are the ones that you give yourself. Right, and that's a big one. I was going to ask about the two that moment too of. Um, yeah, you know, you're in the adrenaline from getting the phone call. And then you're like, let me just comment on this. And then, mm-hmm. bow, it blows up. So what was that like? Because you had to sit in your identity or try to in mm-hmm. that moment and accept like, oh, I get to do this now. I get to be me. And then everybody else is now like, yay, now you too. Yeah, it was actually kind of terrifying, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, because um, even though I'd been um, medically transitioning for, um, for now over a year, um, it wasn't until about eight months ago that I was socially transitioning, so living more, uh, present, uh, presenting uh, more my gender identity um, because I was still, you know, I was still dressing fairly traditionally male, masculine. Like, I had super short hair, um, and, you know, now I'm wearing hair. Wearing hair is a pain. Um, and, uh, like... Learning, learning all the uh, socially acceptable ways of presenting so that I feel more comfortable in my skin. And it's kind of like, it wasn't until the monster, I was like, well, I guess this means I have to go through with it and actually not back out of picking up my script next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I've never, I've never been, had that experience where like something that I've done or said has gone all over, <laughs> like to every corner of the internet. I could imagine that being... A little intimidating. Yeah. It was also... So I feel funny saying this, but, like, the one comment that kind of got to me when, because people were sending me um, congratulations and uh, little heart emojis, then there was one person who, um, because of how I phrased, phrased the additional co- uh, comment, um, replied back saying, you know, you're really killing off who you were. You're still who you are. And I was just like, you know, Please don't like, use the word kill in talking about me becoming who I am because that just kind of made me, that kind of like twisted, mm. twisted something in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, then, and then another person was just nitpicking my grammar and asking why did the moth pick this? It was so grammatically, I was like, I was emotional when, yeah. when posting that. Of course it's going to have terrible grammar. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's of course. There are many upsides and many downsides <laughs> to something you write going all over the place. But yeah, people are going to comment. <laughs> like it just like I, there's just always those grammar police everywhere. Yeah, yeah the haters. Yeah. Why don't you tell us how you use storytelling in your regular job? Because Jen hinted to something, but so. Um, in a previous life, I, I like to say, um, I was more of an academic. I taught um, at, uh, at the undergraduate level, uh, creative writing and ethnic studies, and how uh, I would have students um, approach um, their work was to approach it through a creative lens. So uh, in, 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 learning about, um, in learning about poetry, like I had them read a lot more research-based um, poetry collections, uh, so Rita Dove, um, a lot, um, a lot of uh, things written in persona um, as means of in investigating history, heritage. Um, Natasha Trethewey's um, Native um, on Native Ground, which has the um, the epistolary poems, uh, where it was an imagined uh, imagined uh, letter between two two women who were lovers uh, during the Civil War. Um, that's how I had students interrogate their relationship to poetry because. Um, a lot of students, when I said, you're learning about poetry, a lot of them would just groan, complain, and say, well, I don't want to see myself on the page. I was like, well, you're going to be seen on the page even if you're not writing about yourself. Mm -hmm. So with that, with especially with ethnic studies, um, having them read um, Amy Nez, uh, Joe Legaspi, um, Citizen Legal by Jose Olivares, about like, you know, what do these do for building community? And that segued to um, my current position working at UW-Madison in the Office of Inclusion Education, where we use storytelling as building narrative and building community. So that way, that way, you know, people could share, connect, and be really vulnerable with each other just for a minute and see themselves or, or not see themselves, see the difference, uh, see the uh, similarities and know that that's cool but also see the differences and celebrate those differences together. Um, also, I've been producing uh, with Jen for 10 months now? 11? Something. I think we started up in September. Yeah. After uh, the pandemic. Well, I can't say after the pandemic. But yeah, it's still here. After we, yeah. gave, after we gave up on the pandemic. <laughs> so. So, uh, so I've been uh, working uh, in Madison um, uh, producing uh, the shows with Jen for just under a year, but before that, also I was um, assistant producing in Milwaukee um, with uh, with Katie Marich and uh, Nick, Nikki Robinson for the Milwaukee shows as well. Um, kind of uh, more uh, more as like a pitch uh, pitch producer, just to help people who you know would say that they had their inkling or their ideas of stories, but they were too scared. And I would tell them, you know, if if I could go up there with a speech impediment and um, who's terrified, just plotting it out, it's really it's really a sensation and really something that I feel like everyone should give a chance to be on that stage once. It doesn't matter what the score is, just being able to be vulnerable in front of that audience and share that space mm -hmm. is something I like to encourage because shared vulnerability leads to community building. I like that. That's a good quote. I like it. Um, I'm gonna just have that segue into like what the sort of the final question we like to ask, um, <clears throat> which 
it's uh, it's been a while, and so I was I was trying to remember what was our final question. But um, you're what a year into Madison now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is just something you like to do in Madison? So let's see. Nobody. Madison is actually like an underground geek haven. It is. Like um, I am unabashedly straight up nerd. Um, I love video games. Love comic books. The fact that there are not just one, not just two, but four full arcades. One is right below yes. us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Madison, you know, I like. I remember talking to my niece about stand-up arcades, and she was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, you would play video games, like haggle for quarters. You would put the quarter on the machine uh, to reserve your spot." And she was just like, "I'd rather be playing with my Nintendo Switch." I was like, "No, it's an experience." No. Can I just tell you, um, th- th- um, I don't know, Tequila might know this about me, but um, my very first job when I was 10, this was like in the late 70s, and they just came out with these arcade Atari games, mm-hmm. and my dad had a small store, and I was paid a dollar an hour to play them in the storefront window to draw people into the store to see what it was. See, that, so that is was awesome. Like, That's yeah. an awesome job. I mean, truly, it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> you never found a job I've never found perfect. a job that perfect, yeah. But uh, it wasn't, they weren't cool games yet. I was playing the evil Knievel stun cycle, <laughs> but nonetheless. Where, yeah, you're just a white block and that's supposed to be the bicyclist, but. No, no, it, he did look like okay. evil Knievel and we were trying to jump over trucks. Okay. But, I mean, who cares really if evil <laughs> Knievel made it over the, whatever, whatever was the king. And, anyhow, yes, so Madison is a geek haven. Yeah, and uh, just, you know, being able to see. Um, not just arcades, but also like game shops. Like Fitchburg has a large like um, tabletop video ga- uh, t- gaming shop. Um, there's one on uh, on the east side uh, that is huge, and I always like popping in because growing up, um, I've told I think two, three Dungeons and Dragons stories at the Moth. It was you know just. I never saw myself reflected in the materials or in other players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now that, um, you know, popping in, I see um, gamers, uh, geeks of all gender, um, ethnic, uh, ethnic identities, shapes, uh, sizes, and just it's a wide variety. And it makes me feel like that it's cool to be a nerd in Madison. So, you know... Just how things that if I were to talk to my friends back, uh, like back home, growing uh, growing up, like in the high desert of California, like I was like, yeah, I went, I I stayed in line for four hours to see the corpse flower bloom at the arboretum. They would look at me like I was uh, that, like that was a waste of time. But I was like, no, that's cool. And also, I was in line for four hours because <laughs> so many other people wanted to mm-hmm. see it and. Smell how terrible the corpse flower was, <laughs> and I don't think that 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 would be available anywhere else but Madison. Like you have, you have the uh, you have nature and the trails, but a geeky spin on it. Then you have all the um, all the conservation work, but there's a geeky spin on it too. So I think just roaming around and just seeing the passion and everyone nerding out over what they love, that's actually my favorite thing about Madison. Cool, that's a good, that should be like an advertisement. I was going to say, you just did a great advertisement for Madison, so there's your next job. Yeah. (laughs)
Um, well, I guess I don't have any other questions. No, but it was great chatting with you and getting to meet you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you both for having me and you know, being able to share a little bit more about my story. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Well, I'm glad I got to meet Noel at the show and um, hear the story. That was that was a great story. Yeah, and I'm glad we had a chance to share the story. And um, in, it's been great having a chance to to co-produce the Moth with Noel. So, so yeah. And I actually I didn't get a chance to mention this, but I do always appreciate a little you know a little dig at Katy Perry. That was that was like a nice <laughs> a nice little moment in the story. It was. Yeah. So. Um, if you, for people who are listening, uh, if you haven't yet, if you're particularly if you're in Madison, the Isthmus is sharing a bunch of our podcast episodes um, from the first couple seasons. So go on the Isthmus, just Google Isthmus uh, Inside Stories, and you'll find some of some of our favorite episodes up there. Yes, and as always, you can email us, show ideas, and book us for amazing world-class storytelling workshops. Yeah, we actually have like two, two in the, two in the, in the offing, two in the future. So, um, yeah, get us all our schedules open. Yes, and that's inside stories podcast at gmail dot com. Yep, and um, yeah, I think that's it. We're we're back in oddly arranged media here with Richard. So thanks thanks for doing the audio, Richard. Yes, thanks for the amazing studio space. It's fire. Like literally today. <laughs> we, anyway. Inside joke. Never yeah. mind, y'all. It's just warm in here, that's all. <laughs> thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>